the key. That is the reason why, um, especially extended fasting, is helpful in any way to humans. When we sit there and we say, when you fast, you get healthier, it's because of autophagy. So autophagy is when you get to a certain point of your glucose, your blood sugar levels, as you fast, they will start to kind of slowly drop and stabilize. And in the absence of glucose as your energy source, then your cave, I always tell this to people, your caveman, we're caveman, right? Your caveman body says, oh, there's no blood sugar available. So no problem. I'm ready for that. I'm going to make a metabolic switch from burning this circulating blood sugar to burning my other fuel source, which is Welcome back to Against the Herd, where we explore unconventional approaches and protocols that lead to unconventional results. Today's topic is fasting, and today's guest is Colleen Williams. Colleen holds a Master's of Science, has spent uh, many, many years working in hospitals, uh, working with specific uh, patients in terms of uh, different health ailments. And as she approached her 50th birthday, she started wanting to understand more of how she can increase, uh, not necessarily longevity, I think, in the beginning, but how she could be more efficient with her diet, how she can get and reap benefits on a cellular level from her diet and overall just to improve her health. She is an athlete. She's ran over 30 marathons. She uh, is an educator uh, being brought in by many organizations to speak on the benefits of fasting. And she owns her own business as the owner and founder of Fit Broth Nutrition, all on the basis of this concept of fasting, how to do it effectively, and how to make it fun. Um, this was a really awesome podcast. I really enjoyed having Colleen, and uh, I hope you enjoy it half as much as Nick and I did. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Welcome back to Against the Herd, uh, where we explore unconventional approaches that lead to unconventional results with unconventional people. And we have uh, Colleen here, and she is the CEO, the founder of Fit Broth, and an educator of fasting. And I, I've got to say, I'm thrilled to to have you on this podcast. And before we start jumping in and Nick and I just start throwing question after question after question, could you give us a little bit of background on just, you know, where you come from, who you are, how you, what put you in or what took you in this trajectory? Yeah, those are great questions. So I, uh, my background, I have a master's in health sciences. And when I finished that master's degree, which I did at a university um, in Fort Lauderdale, I got a job at a hospital working in the specialty of, it's something called dysphagia, which is uh, a fancy word for um, issues with swallowing. And I worked in the neuro unit with brain injury or stroke or something that caused some kind of brain injury and affected all of your neurological ability to chew and swallow. And anyway, I was part of this neuro team. And part of that would be sometimes we would go into all kinds of settings and see people. And a lot of it was elderly, nursing homes, or I wouldn't say in nursing homes, but people who've had a stroke and it affects their ability to swallow. And it really kind of, I was young, I just finished my master's degree and I was like, what is going on? And I think part of that maybe struck a chord when you fast forward now, all these years later, and I just remember just seeing such a diverse array of a little bit elderly people and some of the health issues they were having and, um, and how rapidly, you know, your health can turn on a dime when you, when you, uh, you know, get into that age group. So I think in my mind, that's always played in a little bit of the back, but then, you know, fast forward till now, when I was in my thirties and forties, because I'm 54, um, 
I was a prolific runner. That was kind of like my hobby. I would run seven marathons, six to seven a year. And then I got into ultra marathons, which is any distance past 26 miles. So I'd do like 50 milers and I would do all these long runs. And then, but then in my mid forties, I started to say to myself, if, you know, I'm going to get to the halfway point, you know, 50s coming. Is this the best way to continue with my health going forward? Because if it is, I'm in. But if it's not, I'm going to do something different then. So I started to research uh, longevity. I started to research um, the healthiest, oldest people and what have they been doing? And just, you know, kind of the next 50 years, what does health look like for that time period? And I just kept coming across research article after research article about fasting and longevity and how they're very deeply connected. And, and I'm not talking about a random study or two. I mean, it's widely documented that fasting extends your longevity and it not only extends your longevity, but even in the short term, fasting dramatically improves your health. And it's kind of counterintuitive because we think, by not eating or skipping a meal, I'm going to be harming myself. Like I'm going to get a little, I'm going to get hungry and I'm going to get a little bit like run down and I'll be all depleted. But the exact opposite things happen. It's, it sounds counterintuitive, but that's kind of the way it is. Yeah, I love that. And I've, I've seen it myself. Where do you think this, this whole three, three meals a day, four meals a day, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. What do you have? Do you have an opinion on that? Or I guess like, do, do we, is there any research on exactly like where the, where that came out of? I always think, I mean, I'm, I'm no expert on, on, you know, current kind of almost cultural, but I do think you know, the industrial revolution needed people to be factory workers. And, you know, so, and that's only, you know, if you think of human evolution, you're talking about a hundred million years and kind of the, the current kind of day-to-day schedule that so many of us follow and we're trained from kindy, right? You're in kindergarten. You're like, you have your breakfast, you go to kindergarten, you get a coffee break. We call it snack break. Then you have lunch, then you have an afternoon break, then you have after school snack. And that's kind of how your pattern goes. And it sets us up perfectly to be factory workers, part of this industrial revolution that happened in the, you know, like what, the 1920s, 1910, 1900, I don't know. But when you think about the biology of our bodies, we're cavemen, right? This is, I tell people all the time, this is old technology, like 100 million years of evolution. And evolution doesn't change that rapidly in a complex being like a human. Like, okay, a worm is simpler. Maybe they're, maybe they're evolutionary. Maybe it takes a couple hundred years, a thousand years, but we take at least 10 to 15,000 years to make an evolutionary change. And that tells us our bodies are set up for life 10,000 years ago not today. So all I have to do is look around and see the massive amount of metabolic dysfunction. And yeah, because current life doesn't match the technology that we're dealing with in our own bodies. No, it's a, it's an excellent point. And, and so I guess, could we also just start off with one defining fasting, fasting, because we don't want anybody to really assume anything or that they know what that is. And I think fasting also just has different layers to it. And then also, as you're defining that, um, if you could touch on sort of what's what's going on in the body at a, at a very high level that maybe some some of our listeners might have other preconceived notions about. Um, what's going on in the body when you fast, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, those are really great questions. Um, so for me, I mean, when I think about fasting, I think about there's two types. There's extended fasting, and then there's intermittent fasting. And like you said earlier, intermittent fasting, we've all heard that word. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty like it's a buzzword, it's common. Um, and what does that mean? That means within one day, you're compressing your eating window and maybe 
not eating as frequently by compressing the hours that you eat within, and that creates a bigger window that you fast. So it's called intermittent fasting. And truthfully, we all fast, right? When you sleep, we're fasting. We're not waking up and eating every three hours all night long. So intermittent fasting is extending that overnight fast into the day and maybe not following that pattern that we talked about earlier of breakfast, coffee break, snack, lunch, dinner. You're just kind of compressing that window of eating. Where, where on the other hand, an extended fast would be something longer than 24 hours. Really well said. And so, Nick, I know you're going to jump in here, but there's a, there's a term that's come up multiple times as I've been researching fasting okay. and it's autophagy. Yes. Can you give us a quick breakdown of autophagy? That is the word. That is a key word. And really, that really, truly, honestly is the key. That is the reason why, um, especially extended fasting, is helpful in any way to humans. When we sit there and we say, when you fast, you get healthier, it's because of autophagy. So autophagy is when you get to a certain point of your glucose, your blood sugar levels, as you fast, they will start to kind of slowly drop and stabilize. And in the absence of glucose as your energy source, then your cave, I always tell this to people, your caveman, we're caveman, right? Your caveman body says, oh, there's no blood sugar available. So no problem. I'm ready for that. I'm going to make a metabolic switch from burning this circulating blood sugar to burning my other fuel source, which is stored body fat. And when you start to burn stored body fat, then your body also says, hold up. I've got limited incoming. I am using body fat to create my, my calorie needs, if you will, my energy needs. And I'm not going to waste my fat store, my special fat energy, my backup source on anything that won't serve my health. Because I tell people all the time, again, remembering you're a caveman, your body doesn't know. Was there just no woolly mammoth today? Like the hunt didn't go well? Like we've got no food. Your body doesn't know why. You're a caveman. Your body's like, Am I trapped in the cave because there's a saber tooth out front and I don't know how long it's going to take to get out of here. So your body's not going to waste limited resources on anything that isn't fully going to help your survival. It's like if your boat was sinking, you wouldn't keep a bunch of broken stuff inside. You'd toss it so that you wouldn't sink too fast. Your body starts to do that with its own cells. Anything that's broken, a free radical, a halfway to a tumor, damaged cells, your body starts to dump it. Your body's like, I am not wasting energy, fuel, limited fuel on these broken, damaged parts of this body. I'm going to recycle it. And that's what autophagy is. It gets rid of, and it goes through every part of your body, from your brain to your skin, your organs, every piece, your body's just like getting rid of broken cells. And there's really very limited ways of triggering this deep cellular detox process called autophagy but fasting is the main one. Fantastic. And question on calories. So I think a lot of people, you know, conceive fasting as something that it's simply caloric restriction, right? It's like a way to lose weight. Uh, but from what you're telling me, if, if I were somebody eating the same amount of calories, but you know, in one method I was, I was fasting and another method I was eating every two hours, let's say, um, if I'm understanding correctly, the fasting one, even though, you know, I may not, I would not gain or lose weight if I'm eating the same amount of, of calories, but the fasting would be more, would be a healthier route, uh, given that this autophagy would be going on. Is that, is that more or less correct? Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. It, and, and actually you, you touched on such a good point about intermittent fasting, which is when you, you are eating, but you're constricting the amount of time in your 24 hour day that you eat all of your food within. Um, you, there are hundreds of studies that if you ate the same foods as the next guy, and I'm not even talking about like trying to eat healthy, but cake, ice cream, whatever it is, and you ate it the same number of calories spread out like you described, or 
compressed in a small eating window, the people who are intermittent fasting lose weight, even with the same number of calories. So you have to say to yourself, why? Like, why would that be the case? Because you're not cutting calories. All you're doing is compressing the window of hours within which you eat them. So you might decide within seven hours, I'm going to eat all those calories, or I'm going to spread those calories out from 7 a.m. to midnight, like 15 hours, same calories. The intermittent fasters lose weight, not because of the eating window, because of the fasting time is bigger out of 24. Instead of Instead of only fasting while you're asleep for eight hours and eating the whole time you're awake, you're actually fasting maybe for 18 hours and you're only eating everything within six hours. That means for the fasting time, your blood sugar is low and stable and your insulin is off. And if you get really good at your metabolic flexibility, if you really build your ability to switch between burning blood sugar as your fuel or burning stored fat, like we talked about, then you can make that metabolic switch even in a short overnight fast. And that's awesome because that means you're burning body fat while you're sleeping. Right. No, that's fantastic. And is the intermittent fasting, does that raise one's like basal metabolic rate by having all this autophagy happen? Or are you burning... Um, is your body using more energy in that fastest state to repair itself? That's a great question. I mean, yes. I mean, it, it takes a certain amount of energy for your body to go into that autophagy state, but it doesn't speed up your metabolic rate. No. And why? Again, I go back to we're cavemen. Our caveman survival instincts, not instincts, but processes are kicking in. Remember, your body doesn't know why you're fasting. Maybe you couldn't catch a woolly mammoth. Maybe you're stuck in a cave. Your body isn't going to speed up how quickly it rips through fuel when you might be stuck in that cave for three days. You might not catch a woolly mammoth for a week. So your body doesn't really speed up your metabolic rate, but what it does do is it creates all of your body's needs for energy or calories or fuel from what's stored inside your body fat molecules, right? It releases the contents into your bloodstream and then your body can convert those fatty acids into ketones and then your body can use that as its calories or its energy so you're not really speeding up your metabolic rate but you are reducing your body fat big time because you're using it as your only fuel source and it's completely normal and healthy we're set up for that because obviously if our ancestors had a bad hunting day or a bad hunting week, and we didn't have a way to maintain energy, to maintain um, our mental capacity to plan a hunt, to run, to chase, to get that woolly mammoth, we wouldn't be here as a species, right? We would have withered away 100,000 years ago. So our bodies are set up to say, if I don't have fuel coming in, blood sugar-based fuel, carbs and sugars and things like that, no problem. Your body knows exactly what to do. It's like, no woolly mammoth. I, I know exactly what to do. I will start to burn my stored fuel. I will start to use my fat molecules, what's stored inside to create energy. And I will also make sure I am lean and mean. So your body gets rid of all that debris, all those broken cells, anything halfway to a tumor. I mean, you can shrink cancer tumors with fasting in a very healthy manner. And because of some of the processes that are triggered when you fast, like you spike human growth hormone after 48 hours of an extended fast, like by 300%, which is huge. That's what protects all of your muscle from being utilized as fuel. Your body, again, caveman says, I need my muscle if I'm going to climb, run, hunt. So you're Muscles are protected when you fast. They do not wither. I know that's another thing people think, oh my God, if I fast, I'm going to lose my muscle and I'm going to get all, I'm going to, I used to be buff and I'm going to be all withered. No, mother nature knows exactly what to do. Um, and you just spike a huge amount of human growth hormone and all of your muscle tissue remains completely untouched. It's pretty incredible when you dig into the science. 
It it is, and that's one thing I want to touch on because someone will do a thirty six hour, twenty four hour fast, a thirty six hour fast, but then jump right to a bowl of ice cream, yeah, or just get these sugars. And you recently did a post that I thought was phenomenal on sugars. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, what which, which post and what part? <laughs> yeah, the the uh, the post. So it was basically we need to cut out the sugars, and there's so many hidden sugars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, isn't it true though? There's just so many hidden sugars, and you know because the human body can only use, and and this is true of all mammals, not just humans, but dogs, cats, like any mammal can only use two fuel sources to run your body. It's either fat or sugar, blood sugar or ketones, only two. So you're either on sugar or you're on fat. That's it. So the modern diet and our, even our modern lifestyle, but our modern diet, it's, it's all sugar-based. It keeps all of us sugar burning all the time. And our body's fine with that. We can do that as, as we all do. Um, and there's, there's sugar. When I say that to people like, well, you can be a sugar burner or you can be a fat burner and people go, oh, I don't eat that much sugar. And it's like, yeah, but I'm talking about like candy, like a bowl of oatmeal is sugar. That's a bowl of sugar. You know, a bowl of white rice, that's a bowl of sugar because all carbohydrates at the end of the digestive process are metabolized into sugar molecules all of them. It doesn't matter where the carbohydrate came from. It could be a chocolate bar, a donut, a cucumber has carbohydrates. At the end of digestion, part of that cucumber is a sugar molecule, obviously to different, you know, extents. <laughs> and right. so that's, yeah, so that's what I was talking about, how it's just, it's so hidden. And even if we think we're eating healthy, it's like there's, it's still creating sugar in your body. And I think that that's, pretty widely misunderstood, I think, by a lot of people. Absolutely. And then so by that logic, would you are you suggesting the keto diet? Because if, if carbs all break, you know, carbs do all break down to simple sugars by the time they're done. Um, are you a proponent then I take it of the, the keto diet? That is a good question. I get asked that a lot. And I'm not a pro or against keto. What I what I teach is to eat a nutrient dense diet that is low glycemic because I feel like um, if we keep our blood sugar low and stable um, then we what happens is we automatically tend towards uh, developing a state of nutritional ketosis not all the time but it allows you to flip in and out and use your ability to make that metabolic switch which is super healthy for us because our body is expecting that it's expecting times of sugar-based diet, like our ancestors would eat sugar-based diet probably all summer and spring and maybe fall too, right? When they could get fruits and tubers. And then there were those months on the frozen tundra and like, what were they eating? Like, what could they get? An antelope? Like a woolly mammoth? Like there was no plants, there's no fridge, there's no Uber Eats, there's no store. So like you could eat what you could find. And remember, this technology is set up to expect that. So your body expects sometimes when you're going to be running on that energy that's stored in your fat molecules. That's why we have them. And that's why we have the ability to flex in between. And then when we hit those times of famine that your body expects, like, okay, the hunt didn't go well this week, uh, no problem. I will trigger autophagy. I'll get a little bit healthier, leaner, meaner. I'll maintain muscle. I'll whittle down and I can, you know, hunt the woolly mammoth by the end of the week. So like your body, I think your body expects both. So I'm a proponent of eating seasonally if possible. And it's kind of impossible in the modern world. Like it's just too easy, right? To just go to the grocery store and get what you want. But whole foods, you know, that are unprocessed are definitely the key, I think, for longevity and for long-term health. I, you know, I don't think many would question it. The science is pretty strong on that one. No, I love that. And so talk to me with, with, with bone broth. Um, how did you come across that? And, you know, 
could you do like a quick like walkthrough of just the day of, of somebody that's that is fasting that's just novice and trying to understand how to both fast um how to scale the fasting and then also like what is typically what are you looking at what's your first meal right after a fast oh those are such good questions um okay so i think what you said when you said scale the fasting i think that's a really good point because sometimes people uh everybody's in a different place metabolically right we've all got a different health history metabolic history and although fasting is healthy for literally every single one of us can benefit from that process um it can be harder for some than others to just like jump right in and take on a, a fasting challenge. I, I call them fasting challenges, you know, because it is a challenge considering the way we've been raised and we're all living. Um, and even though it's super good for us, it's still a bit hard. So I think that when somebody has never fasted before, first of all, bone broth fasting is um, one of the more supported ways of doing it. You can do, there's all kinds of different approaches to fasting. There's water fasting, Guys, there's even dry fasting. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I am talking about literally dry fasting. No water. And then there's there's soft dry fasting where like, okay, you can like bathe, but not drink anything and brush your teeth and not spike. Or there's hard dry fasting, like no water. And I am talking, there are protocols, 12 days. 12 days dry fasting. That's that's crazy. It's crazy. There is some crazy versions out there. Um, and you know, on that, on that, that's the, obviously the extreme and, and that's uh, a, a very real protocol that exists out of Russia. Um, there's a lot of research by Russian scientists on this hard dry fasting, but I don't know if you guys saw in the news, the kids in the Amazon who were in the plane crash. Do you guys remember that? That was like, what was yes. that? May, May, right? Just last month. And they found those kids after 40 days, a 13 year old, a nine year old, a four year old, and an 11 month old baby. No parents, just that was it. Whatever they could find, there was no river, water. They were almost dry fasting for 40 days. A baby, 11 months old. And they all survived. Now, I don't know if you guys saw the pictures. Like, the thing about fasting is you increase your health in so many ways for a long time until you don't. There's a tipping point where now we're getting less healthy. I mean, that happens. Um, but surprisingly, that tipping point is a surprisingly long time. And it really depends on, again, where you're at with the resources you have to offer yourself when you're fasting. But the typical person, it's around 20 days to 25 days when now you're actually entering starvation and you're, that's unhealthy, like by every minute that ticks by. But I keep thinking of those little guys and they were 40 days. It's really incredible how resilient the body can be, isn't it? Like they said that they occasionally found a fruit to suck on or something, but I'm just like, wow. And all four of them survived. So there's some crazy versions of fasting out there. When I talk about fasting, I prefer to teach a supported version of fasting, uh, using bone broth made specifically for fasting. So the way we produce fit broth is that we use a series of, um, decreasing filters, micro filter, and then almost like a nano filter. So the broth is cleared of anything that's in it, any, the tiniest little particle, it's clear, almost like water, not the color of water, but as clear as water. And just like water, you don't digest water, you absorb it through your gut wall. Um, this bone broth also is so broken down and so filtered, it's just digested. So in your body, you're maintaining this metabolically rested state or this fasted state. Your body just absorbs it, no digestion's triggered, and your body's like, we're still fasting. We're still metabolically completely at rest. So it's a great way to support your body, but still get all those benefits. We're triggering autophagy and we're gonna trigger that metabolic switch. 
which is really, really healthy for us. Fantastic. And on, so on that practical side, um, you know, we, we're big here on how people can apply these, these things to their lives. So um, I guess, could we cover both? And maybe you could shed some light on the differences or your thoughts between intermittent fasting and the longer, like 36-hour fast. Actually, let's start there. Can you share your thoughts on intermittent versus the, you know, the longer, um, the longer, the yeah, extended the fasting? More extended fast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think that both are amazing for different reasons. I think that um, intermittent fasting can be incredible as like a daily lifestyle. And I think, and again, it's counterintuitive to kind of the way so many of us were raised, right? Like breakfast, lunch, breakfast, most important meal of the day, never skip a meal, blah, 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 or something bad will happen. I don't know what bad is going to happen, except that your, you know, your blood sugar will stabilize and your insulin levels will go down. And, you know, there's just so many benefits that happen. Um, but intermittent fasting is a great lifestyle that most adults, if you're not in a time of your life where you're growing, like an adolescent is growing, a child is growing, um, a pregnant woman is growing, or a nursing mom is growing, a, still feeding a baby. It's maybe not for you, but for everybody else, it's a very healthy like lifestyle that's super easy to adapt to. It sounds, I don't know, maybe it sounds crazy or hard to imagine skipping a meal, but it's not reducing calories. It's not cutting back on food in any way. It's eating all the same food and the same number of calories. All you're doing is compressing out of your awake time, the number of hours that you eat all of your regular food within. That's all there is to it. It's Not pretty that complicated. Yeah. And, and yeah. How, how would you, how would you respond again? I'm sure there are some, uh, you know, who are thinking right now, uh, you say, yep, you know, Hey, nothing bad will happen and your blood sugar will just lower. I'm sure there's some who are thinking, yeah, but I'm going to get hungry. What, a, what about hunger, right? What do you coach people on when they're like, well, no, I'm going to get so hungry. I can't focus or, or do any part of my daily life. That's why I can't do this. How would you respond to that? That is like literally the key. <laughs> what you said right there. That's the biggest thing for all of us in this modern world. We get hungry every three hours and it's too easy as well, combined with, you know, I feel something, I, f I fulfill that, that urge, right, to eat. And, and so it's huge. That's the biggest thing that sabotages many people if, and they'd like to maybe change where they're at metabolically. So I do um, dig in a little bit, like let's dig in a little bit to the science of hunger. And I say to people, you know, it's really hard to change something that you don't understand. So what is hunger? Like, what is hunger? It's a feeling. And where does that come from? What's it about? So the thing about hunger is it, when you dig into the science, is it's actually the result of a hormone called ghrelin. And your stomach lining and actually your intestinal, like your gut, your microbiome, excretes this hormone. And when that hormone is released into your bloodstream and it circulates in your body, it gets to your brain and your brain interprets this hormone as like, Ooh, I'm hungry. It's a nudge. Go find food. I always go back to caveman. Maybe if caveman didn't get that nudge, they'd hang out in the cave all day and they wouldn't get food. So maybe from evolutionary times, we needed that nudge. We needed that hormone. Go get something because food wasn't as easy as open the fridge. It was like, we're going to go hunt a woolly mammoth and this might take a week. You know, it was a big project to go get food. But we know that hunger is just, it's a hormone that's released because remember guys, your microbiome is, is alive and it's weird and a little gross to think, but it's true. It, you, we have trillions of microbes down in there and they're their own little alive little guys. And those trillions of microbes, they're all different. We have a whole set that's for breaking down plants and a whole set that's for breaking down meat and a whole set for dairy and a whole set for sugar. And when they are finished breaking down, they're like, they're alive. They're like, we're ready to feed us again. Like, let's go. And they secrete a hormone called ghrelin the hunger hormone, it circulates in your bloodstream. And when it gets to your brain, your brain goes, I'm hungry. What happens if you don't eat after three hours when you're hungry? 
nothing like nothing your body we already know we can go 20 days after three hours nothing happens you're fine your muscles aren't breaking down your skin isn't going to fall off your hair isn't going to fall out i mean it takes at least almost three weeks and we've seen the kids in the amazon for 40 days for three hours you're fine like nothing actually happens but your microbiome might release this hunger hormone and it's a nudge it's like a call to action feed me so this is where bone broth fasting can be really helpful because there is it's not the same as eating a steak but it still contains protein it still contains thousands of compounds and minerals that your body can use so you're drinking bone broth and it's giving you that support it's giving you fluid it's giving you a little protein but it's keeping your microbiome rested, like relaxed, guys. And what happens when you fast is your those little microbes recede because they haven't been fed. They, they recede and the longer you fast, the more they recede. And then you asked a really important question, which was like breaking your fast, what meal? And the thing is, whatever you eat, whatever you eat to break your fast, is gonna feed those little microbes first. And whichever they're, whoever's fed first, they thrive. So we don't wanna eat something that's gonna really encourage the pathogenic microbes to just start, you know, proliferating when we've receded them all. Because we get a lot of sugar-loving microbes that cause issues for people. You know, like, have you guys heard of, um, like when people talk about candida overgrowth or SIBO or, you know, they like, like overgrowth in your microbe from like, from like the, like the sugar loving or the pathogenic microbes. So it's, it's a weird thing to think about, but it's, it's alive and there's trillions and they send out their own signals. So I really teach people that just hunger is just a hormone and that hormone signal doesn't match your biology because after three hours, we know we're okay. <laughs> like you're fine. Um, so, so that's where bone broth can really be helpful. If your goal is to really take on a fasting challenge. I absolutely love that. And I do want to switch gears on this. And the reason being is because I talked to my father, he's been fasting religiously for the past six months. And I hate to say this, but he is looking <laughs> damn good. And <laughs> Good job, dad. Yeah. So tell me the one thing that he's noticing. So we're, we're switching gears to the vanity side. We've talked a lot about the health. Uh-huh. He's for real. That's, that's real. Yeah. He's, I, he's convinced on the elasticity of his skin and that tightening up. Now he's on the edge of 60, I believe. And I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know enough to really be able to speak on it. Could you help enlighten us? Uh, that is so cool. So let me ask you first, what kind of fasting is he doing? Like, is he doing like an intermittent fasting, compressing his eating window, or is he doing longer fasting challenges? I think the longest he's done is close, to, I think close to like 46 hours in wow. one fast. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so great. Yeah, there is a lot of research on um, using fasting as a tool for bigger weight loss and definitely the research is pretty consistent that when people use fasting as the tool for um losing a lot of weight there's um a doctor called dr fung i don't know if you've ever followed his stuff on youtube but he talks a lot about how um the fact that skin is just one more protein in our body and that your body will utilize the the protein in skin to at a certain point, if it needs to continue to create fuel. And a lot of people who are quite bigger, but use fasting won't have as much excess skin when they've lost a lot of weight compared to other people. You sometimes see people who've lost a lot of weight, which is like such an amazing health journey, but then they're stuck with this skin. And, and it is true that fasting can, can, um, can just, well, and it also reduces inflammation and bloating, right? And that in itself also helps just uh, tighten up your skin. I mean, fasting is so good for so, so many reasons. And on the vanity side, like you said, that's definitely one of them. He, he certainly loves it. And um, 
you know, on, on that same, I guess on that same vein. So you had touched on something too. So now we're jumping back on the health side, but I thought it was really fascinating. I want to make sure that I got this as well as our audience. So when you do break that fast, going back to the type of foods, right? So if you're to eat the first thing, I just went through a fast and the first thing that I, that I eat is a Snickers, right? That that's going to, what's going to pick up that first are probably the, I guess, would you say the unhealthy bacteria or the unhealthy pieces within? That's right. Those sugar loving microbes are going to be like, Ooh, we got fed and Mm. they're just proliferate because they're the only ones who got, you know, all those little microbes have different jobs, right? Some of them break down dairy and some break down plant and some break down meats or proteins and some are for sugar. And so it's the sugar loving ones are going to be like, yes, I got fed first. And, Mm. you know, for really, you know, there's so much research on the microbiome. I mean, that could be its own podcast for sure. You guys could talk about that for, for a week straight, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's all tied together. That's the other piece, you know, that you really can't separate your body into little individual. I mean, it's, we're all kind of one unit and the microbiome affects everything too. And so when you fast, of course it's affected. It's the thing sending out hunger signals. It's the thing sending out cravings. You know, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just like super craving ice cream. I just am. And, and it, it's gotta be chocolate or whatever it is. I mean, that is coming from these guys. They're like, feed me and go feed me this. And then it sends out, you know, your sugar loving microbes send out these cravings. It's a hormone and it gets interpreted by your brain. I should go get chocolate ice cream. (laughs) And it's like, you know, it's it's funny. Yeah, because you know, it's hilarious. It's so I did, I'm trying to implement two fasts within a week. And you know, it's funny, but it, it wasn't funny, but I have been very strict in terms of not having sugar and not having cookies. My wife was going through finishing up her master's. And so I don't know, I just got out of this fast and I was texting her. So her mother, my mother-in-law was texting me. She was just like, does she need anything for this test? I'm like, yeah, she needs a box of cookies. And that was like, <laughs> That was, that was me. And before I know, I was just like an out of body experience. I was like, I had these box of cookies. I'm like, I should not have these. Um, side note. Um, can you, can, can you tell me about, so you're at the end, the tail end of a fast. Are you working out or are you waiting till you eat to then work out? No, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, I always tell people go like follow your body. You know, if you are used to working out every day, your body kind of craves it. It's like, let's go. You know, you kind of almost crave it. I used to be like that when I was running, I was running a hundred K a week when I was training all the time. And you know, my bar was always like every marathon I have to qualify for Boston and which I did for eight years in a row. So it was working but that's the amount of running you have to do. And your body craves it. Like my legs were like, let's go running, you know? And, um, and so I say to people, you know, if you're in a, in a physical place and shape with your training that you feel like you want to work out, um, do it, but it's certainly not required. And it, it certainly isn't anything that you must do. And it, it also really depends on your goals. If you, if your goal is to lose weight, working out is not a very efficient method to lose weight, right? Because being overweight, having too much body fat isn't because of a lack of gym time. It's because of your nutrition and your lifestyle. So um, if your goal in fasting is to trigger autophagy and you feel good and you just want that like deep cellular detox, work out. If If you're someone who's not really in shape and you're not that's not part of your daily regime. Walking is one of the best things you can do, you know, just going for a walk and just keeping it, keeping it cool. And then the most important thing is when you, when you break your fast, if you've made that metabolic switch from burning sugar over to burning your stored fat, then a lot of people want to keep that going. And as soon as you eat something that's going to create blood sugar, 
doesn't have to be a donut. It can be a bowl of white rice. That's going to create a lot of blood sugar and you're immediately going to switch back to burning sugar. So if you want to maintain that fat burning, um, then you need to eat things that are low enough on the glycemic index to keep your blood sugar low and stable like it becomes when you fast so that you're still going to continue burning fat. And so you need to eat, you know, tending a little bit towards the carnivore side of things in order to maintain that. Love that. And then one, one thing that I had a question on too, cause I was just like, like your routine's phenomenal. And I've been, I've been looking at, so this isn't quite fasting, but, um, just if you touch on like grounding um, while I yeah. have you, because it's uh, been something that's, it, it's of interest to me and I'm sure it will be for our listeners. It is really fascinating. Like I've never been one of those people who is into all this like weird, like, Same. I don't know, like, yeah, you know, you know what I mean, guys, like all this weird woo woo, the stars have aligned and it's this and that. I'm like, I don't know show me the science. Like, that's what I'm about. I'm like, show me a research study and show me more than one. What then I'll, you know, then I believe it. And anyway, the, the science on grounding is phenomenal. It's surprising. Um, it will, I should say it surprised me. Anyway, I was surprised. Can it's you very... define grounding for us? Yes. So grounding is when you come into contact with the earth's surface with a bare part of your body, like your bare feet. You can't ground and have plastic. So think electricity, lightning, right? Like think about like how we have like lightning rods and stuff and rubber can stop electricity, but like our bodies can connect to the earth because I guess the earth's core is, you know, it's, it's electrical and you can connect with bare skin on the earth. And it's even better if you're in water because water you know, is a conductor of electrical signals. So a beach, for example, is one of the better places or swimming in a, in a lake or the ocean. You're grounding the whole time. Your body is accepting the charge out of the surface of the earth. And it's so weird because in modern times, we're so disconnected from, from the earth. Like, it's like you wear shoes when you're outside. Like, you know, maybe when you're a kid, you run around with bare feet, but it's actually really good for you to run around with bare feet turns out. So you can connect and ground. You can also ground by touching a tree because the tree is connected to the earth or even an animal, touching an animal that's standing on the earth. Um, but the science is that it is really a true way to reduce the amount of inflammation in your body. It's, 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 it's really surprising, at least to me. It's like, that's all it takes. You just stand and like, you know, receive that electrical signal. But again, I always go back to caveman. I'm like, well, when you think for a hundred million years, we laid on the earth and sat on the earth and walked on the earth and we're always constantly connecting. And obviously our bodies are made to be in alignment with that, or we would have developed in a different way through evolution. But now you take modern humans and we all live like away from the surface of the earth. You know, we wear running shoes and we're in a house and we just never do it. And so then you just wonder like, is that, does that add to our low grade inflammation? You know, does that add in a small way to like our overall, like a, a decrease in, in how healthy we could be otherwise. But there's a lot of studies that even use grounding mats in hospitals and they'll put, they can put patients on grounding mats and, and they heal faster. Like it literally helps you heal faster. If you had, if you guys had a hard workout and you're sore, grounding will help you get over that muscle soreness faster. It's really impressive. It, it certainly is. And I also wanted to touch on circadian rhythm resets. Um, yeah. How, could you walk us through a, a little bit of your routine on, on how you do that? <laughs> yeah. Cause you guys see me all the time on Instagram. I'm always trying to get everyone to join my movement. And I know it seems a little out there, but like, I'm not one of those out there people. I promise. I'm always trying to get people to, because you know what, as we age and not even as we age, but 
a lot of adults, we have a lot of stress in our lives and, and it, we just live in stressful times. And so all these little things can add up like, you know, we're stressed. So we have higher cortisol levels and then more than that raises inflammation. And then maybe we're a little bit more inflamed than we should because we're not grounding. We're not running around like cavemen with bare feet. And, and then we don't sleep well. And without sleep, everything just forget it. It gets exacerbated. So there's a lot of research on missing one or two nights of good quality sleep. Your blood sugar levels are like a type two diabetic. You, your blood sugar goes so high just from something as simple as, you know, one super shitty night's sleep. That's crazy. That's totally crazy. Um, and so sleep is really, really important. Um, and one of the things that's so linked to quality sleep is light. And again, this, you guys are making me sound like I'm so out there, but I'm not. We're all about it. I'm, t I'm telling you, you're in good company. <laughs> I'm like, I'm saying all these crazy things. And even in my own mind, I'm like, it sounds crazy. But I'm telling you guys, the science is, is pretty impressive about, again, it's similar to grounding in the sense that it's kind of a modern invention just like processed food. I mean, people, humans have never been unhealthier. We can all agree on that, right? In the last hundred, like not even 160 years, like we've never been unhealthier humans. But like, there's also all these new, new, I mean, out of a hundred million years of evolution, inventions like running shoes with a rubber sole. So now you're not connecting to the earth and artificial light bulbs. The invention of the light bulb means we have a longer day when we're awake and alert. It extends when we tend to eat. It extends how we can stay awake and not be sleepy. In our ancestors' time, it was like the sun or a campfire. That's what you had. And by that token, because humans are not nocturnal, we kind of hunkered down by the time it was night, right? You get the campfire going, you sit in there, your, your metabolic rate slows at night as soon as the sun sets. That's a fact um, because our bodies are like, we're not going to be doing much. And cavemen had a hard time finding food. So your body's like, I'm not going to go ripping through my small amount of food. I'm just sitting around a campfire. I'm going to slow my metabolic rate down so I don't waste extra fuel. And so... But here we come with modern times in a light bulb and we can eat any time of the day. And we're eating late at night when our metabolism is slowest. So there's like this disconnect. And also by having this artificial light, we don't create the right hormones in our brain to fall asleep. Like I say to people, it's, you don't just fall asleep. Like it's a hormonal process. It takes your time for your brain to create the right environment to be like, okay, I'm going to turn off now. You know, it doesn't happen out of the blue. This hormone has to go down. That one has to come up. Cortisol goes down. You know, melatonin goes up. But how does your brain know when to do that? It's based on light in light receptors. Caveman, noon, the sun goes down, time to slow down. And we, we disrupt that with um, modern light. And especially, guys, what's the worst is a phone because it's shining right into your retina and your eye doesn't know your eyes, a caveman. It's like, I don't know. That's a artificial light must be the sun. <laughs> so I think that like humans are just living in a time that doesn't match our DNA. I mean, I think that's what it all seems to like boil down to. No, I, I definitely agree. And that's why I had to ask because you know, the, the more and more that I, I go through my journey is I'm starting to realize that when we are more disconnected than ever before, but two, there's some, we've been complicating, which should be fairly simple. And that's for yeah. instance, getting, getting light, right. Being able to just even be outside. Right. I mean, like the grounding piece, yes, definitely. But we're, we're not even getting outside nearly as much like as kids, like they're not getting out nearly as much. <laughs> Um, and so, and then the diet, the, you know, this is, it's, it's been really important having you on here because I, I think you're breaking down a lot of myths and what we know to be 
true in terms of our eating patterns, I'm finding, and it's through having guests like yourself, we're finding that, you know, there, there's an approach that we've gotten away from and fasting for me, I actually just this past week, I was finally, I've been able to get to my 36 hour, my 36 hour <laughs> fast. And so one of my last questions for you is, you know, how many fast are you getting in, in a week? Um, yeah. That's a great question. I try to encourage everybody to do an extended fast at least once a month. I think that, you know, is a great kind of base to start with or to maintain. Like I tell people dog ear the first Monday of the month as your start of your fast and just do it the first the first Monday of the month, at least 36 hours. And I think it's really great as a goal to build because each kind of almost 24 hours that you can go longer, you gain different health benefits. And we already know we can fast for a long time and continue to gain health benefits. But for our general purposes, 36 hours is amazing because you're gonna trigger autophagy, you're gonna get that deep detox, and you're gonna make that metabolic switch from burning sugar to burning fat, which your body is waiting for, right? We're a caveman, your whole life, your body's like, someday they're not gonna catch a woolly mammoth and I'm gonna need to burn fat. Like your body's waiting for the day. So this gives your body that chance to make that metabolic switch and burn fat. Because remember guys, fat molecules, we have all the fat molecules we'll ever have in our entire lives by the end of adolescence. And so it's not like you get more fat, the fat you have either expands or contracts, right? And it's meant to do that. So when we fast, we flip over and we have a chance to contract those fat molecules, which is what they're made to do. If you can fast for 48 hours, at 48 hours is when you get that huge spike in human growth hormone, almost like a 300% increase. It's pretty incredible. And that's what's so protective of your muscles. Um, and then if you can go 72 hours, if you dare, that's like another amazing challenge to take on once in a while. Um, you will reset your dopamine receptors. Your like, it's just, it's endless all the different positives. If you go another day, you will reset all the stem cells in your entire body. Your body just starts to rebuild itself. It's incredible. So I think that at least once a month for an extended fast, and then I encourage everybody to do some version of intermittent fasting every single day, every single day. And I think that once you get pretty um, good at that, and it be it, because it becomes very easy, your body adapts like that. Like at four days, you're adapted to intermittent fasting and your body's like, yep, because it's kind of expecting that. So. I mean, our caveman ancestors, they did not eat every three hours. It just, it just didn't happen. So your body is very good at adapting to intermittent fasting. And then it's also really healthy to do some feast and famine cycles. So I'll tell people the weekend before you're going to do that Monday fast, that's a great weekend to do a feast, like to eat more than maybe you would during the week, you know, during the week, you're on a pretty good routine. And then the weekends, you're like, screw it. It's the weekend. And you just kind of go a little crazy. Well, that can, that can work, especially if it's the weekend before you're going to go into an extended fast, because then you're having a feast famine cycle, which there's also a lot of research on being very beneficial to our bodies. Fantastic. Well, um, yeah, I, I think you could not have explained fasting any better, uh, giving our viewers exactly, you know, how to start the science behind it and how they can implement this protocol in their life. Um, where can, so tell us a little bit as we wrap up, where can everyone find you and tell us a little bit about uh, fit broth and how they can find that. Yeah, that's, that's I'm happy to. Um, so I have a website or fit broth has a website. It's just fitbroth.com. So that's easy. And there's lots of information about the different fasting protocols, about the product of fit broth, which is bone broth made specifically for fasting. Um, it's a medical grade bone broth. 
And I, I do get people ask me, well, what does that mean? And so I don't know if you guys have ever had the experience of maybe you're going for a surgery and they say, or maybe you're, maybe you guys have gone for your colonoscopies. <laughs> Everybody's got to go at some point. It's going to happen. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> One day. And they'll say, you know, clear liquids only, for example, is, is a medical protocol. Um, and so you can have water or you could have, for example, you could have fit broth. It's a clear liquid that isn't digested and doesn't change the contents of your, your, your gut or your microbiome at all. So in that regard, that's why we say it's medical grade bone broth because it could be utilized in that situation. Um, so yeah, so you can just find us on the internet, www.fitbroth.com. And I'm always pretty active as you know, on Instagram and Facebook as well. Happy to um, answer any questions if anyone wants to reach out. By far one of my favorite Instagram accounts and by far, you know, in terms of knowledge, uh, I've gained a lot in terms of what you're putting out there. So um, everyone, please follow and we'll put links in the description. And then, of course, I'll be doing plenty of snapshots or snippets of this on my social media. So, uh, Nick, anything you'd like to add before closing? No, just want to thank you, Colleen, so much for for a very insightful, uh, a very insightful almost hour. Um, we really appreciate your time. And as always, I hope everybody stays against the herd.